guys, it's Phoebe here. Welcome to Ink Lives, your favorite podcast for all things poetry, beautiful poems, inspiring poets, top 10 anthologies, interesting facts on the arts, and every reason why Ink truly lives. Um, this is Atari Part 1. Atari is a new segment on Ink Lives where I'll be talking about the different artistic movements that made writing what it is today. I don't know if you guys get it, but like art and like history together, we get Atari. <laughs> guys, please don't forget if there is anything that you have about what I'm going to talk about today, please feel free to send me a message using the Anchor voice message service. Uh, I've left the link in the podcast description. Um, there's also the Instagram page. Follow us and you can also send me a DM. There is my email. Feel free to send me an email. And also, if you haven't yet, subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a review, guys. And share this podcast with your auntie, your uncle, your mother, your father, your sister, your girlfriend. <laughs> Whatever. Your entire clan and your entire social circle. Anyway, for today, I'm going to be talking about Romanticism, aka the Romantic Era that happened from 1800 to 1815. So this is how this episode is going to go down, or basically any artery episode. <laughs> so I'm going to be giving you guys background information. We're going to talk about the characteristics. We're going to talk about the writers and the works. And then I will give you some of my personal effects and lessons that I have got from reading about Romanticism. Yeah, and of course, along the way, I'm going to be giving my personal comments. I hope you guys enjoy this. Okay, let's start with background information. What is Romanticism? Romanticism is a movement in the arts that originated in the late 18th century, emphasizing inspiration, subjectivity, and the primacy of the individual. Um, it was founded by August Wilhelm Schlegel and Friedrich Schlegel. Guys, I promise. It's not Frederick, it's Frederick. That's honestly what I saw in Wikipedia. And I didn't know how to pronounce his name, but yeah, it looks like Sklego. <laughs> so please, pardon me. The advocates of this movement, aka the Romantics, they believed that senses and emotions are not simply reason and order were important means of understanding and experiencing the world, which I totally and completely agree with because what's living without feeling and emotions guys what is living without love happiness joy sadness all that stuff like what is it honestly so these romantics reflected all of these beliefs in their writing their writing was spontaneous overflow of powerful feelings and it had very little interference from the rules dictating what good writing should consist of or what it consisted of at that time when classicism ruled and you know there were so many things that dictated what a good piece had to be but these guys didn't think about that all they thought about was expressing themselves and i think that's really really beautiful and i think a lot of writers of today can highly relate with that because there's so many people that i am seeing that are not following the textbook rules of writing they're just doing their own thing they're expressing themselves like their primary motive is to get their message out there and i even think i'm like that <laughs> but yeah that's that's really really cool i think i really like this movement so yeah basically as i said the movement opposed classicism and its rules poetic devices and whatnot meat and whatnot basically as caspar david said who was also a romantic in those days that the artist's feeling is his law take that in guys what <laughs> the artist's feeling is his law 
not meter, not rhyming, not oh what? You know those poetic devices, guys, but no, not that. The artist's feeling is his own. <laughs> I don't know, like when I read that, I was like, damn, now, guys. Anyway, yeah, that's just the background information. I think I painted for you a small picture of what romanticism is, so I think now we can go to the characteristics. Okay, I have five characteristics that I thought were the most important out of everything that I read, but there are also other characteristics there, but these are like the most important ones that I found, the ones that seemed to be the most significant. So we have the glorification of nature. The romantics, I read that they were distrustful of the human world and they tended to believe in having a connection with nature. When they were working or creating their art, they preferred to work and live in solitude in order to connect with nature. I find that really, really cool. <laughs> I find that really, really cool. Because even me personally, when I'm working, uh, not exactly that I would prefer to be one with nature, but I do enjoy a feeling of solitude so I might be able to connect with my inner self and blend in with the environment around me. I don't know if there's anyone else who actually feels like that. But yeah, yes, just not as reading so much about romanticism and I was relating so much. And I was like, oh my God. Ooh. Was I born in the wrong generation? <laughs> God, I don't know. I don't know if it's just me who gets so excited when I read about these things. But yeah, the glorification of nature. Number two, we have the awareness and the acceptance of emotions, as I mentioned before. These guys, their feeling was their low. There was free expression of the feelings of the artists. For them, good work. You have to be aware of your emotions. You have to be in touch with them. You have to accept them and use that feeling of sadness or joy or grief to create art, which I think is so beautiful. You know, instead of using your anger for wrong, someone annoys you and like you just go and you like lash at them and lash at them and lash at them and lash at them, or you're like in your feelings and you're feeling mob simply. <laughs> You know, you take advantage of those emotions. I really like people who do that. They take advantage of their emotions and they make the most beautiful pieces of art. I believe that the greatest art, okay, me personally, my greatest pieces are pieces I create when my emotions are in the clouds. Be it happiness, be it sadness, be it joy. As long as my emotions are in the clouds and I'm having an overflow i take advantage of my emotions to make good work that's why i always move with my phone i always have a notebook set like whenever anything happens i just write it down yeah so number three we have the celebration of artistic creativity and imagination creative impulse yeah they valued the creative process and believed that artists and writers looked at the world differently. Mm, I said something like this in one of my previous podcast episodes that writers or artists in general have x-ray eyes, yeah? They see things in a very different way. They see things beyond the surface. 
compared to your average or normal human that's why they are able to produce very beautiful beautiful work because they are able to empathize with situations people or circumstances differently and in romanticism the writer's ability to produce work through creation from nothingness was highly valued that's another thing like okay the writer's ability to produce work through creation like through their own creativity was highly valued and i think that's really really cool they celebrated everyone's creativity you know how of course there are those people who think that poems or specific writings have to be done in a certain way but these guys whatever you bring as long as it's your own and you know you've thought about it it has you have derived it from nothingness your creativity and the uniqueness of your work is something that they highly valued that's taking me to another point they celebrated originality authenticity like they valued that every person is different and because every person is different people's work obviously cannot be the same they valued that you know there are those people who think that writing has to be a certain way a specific way and they don't take into consideration the fact that people are different so the work that they produce cannot be the same and that's something that these guys valued a lot it was key so derivative was a sin imitating work from another artist okay i think right now that's something that's not so that's not so prominent because you can be inspired by other people's work and that's something that i can say over and over again not exactly producing the same thing but again not exactly creating from nothingness because you have been inspired by reading someone else's thing it's not been a newborn idea to the romantics it had to be creation from nothingness but that also doesn't make sense cuz you could read some someone else's piece i could be a writer of that time and i read something that emily dickinson has written and i'm like oh my gosh i relate to that and then i'm like oh then i think of another way to put it cuz i feel like everyone can learn from each other so that's the one thing in romanticism that i don't agree upon because everyone can learn from each other next <laughs> These guys they emphasize on aesthetic beauty. They valued beauty more than reason. It's similar to aestheticism, which is another artistic movement. Yeah, those guys who believed in beauty that art was for beauty and nothing else, but they did value beauty more than reason. They valued sense and emotion more than reason. Their mission was to express themselves and create beautiful pieces, not exactly to teach to teach lessons or make work that mentally would make sense Baudelaire he was a french poet in the time of romanticism he said that romanticism is precisely situated neither in choice of subject nor in exact truth but in a way of feeling exactly i i don't know if that's a better way to explain what i'm trying to say they didn't do it to make sense i don't know if that makes sense to you they didn't do it to make sense they didn't do it to teach lessons they did it to express themselves and to create beauty and i think that's such a beautiful thing <laughs> that's such a beautiful thing and i think a little bit like that of course today most people write to create change to influence to do something in their community but then of course there are those people who you know just write for the fun of it just to create beautiful pieces they don't exactly have motive they just write because it's beautiful it's moving on 
Alright, so we are on the writers and the wax. Because I did not want to make this episode so, 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 so long, I'm not going to read for you guys like a lot of pieces. I'm only going to read for you one from my favorite romantic when I reach her. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to read for you my favorite poem first. But yeah, I am going to talk to you about three of the most prominent romantics writers and poets of that time so we're going to talk about john keats we are going to talk about lord baron and we're going to talk about emily dickinson yeah so let's start with john keats john keats was born on october 31st 1795 in london and he died on february 23rd 1821 due to tuberculosis that's really really sad moment of silence for john keats so john keats was known to be one of the best romantic writers though unfortunately his fame came about after his death which is really 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 sad he was known to be one of the best romantic writers though unfortunately he gained most of his fame after his death during his lifetime his work was not very prominent and highly recognized man that if that is not a scenario of you know what you're missing when you're gone then i don't know what is <laughs> so interestingly john kitts like writing wasn't the whole plan from the very beginning he initially studied to be an apothecary surgeon yeah, that's what he studied to do. I don't know what an apothecary surgeon is. I remember I read about it, but I've now forgotten. He gave. <laughs> Look it up. Okay. So, yeah, he initially studied to be a surgeon, but on the way, he just decided to write poetry. Like, he just dropped the whole surgeon thing. Yeah. Um, it's said that he wrote his best work between 1818 and 1819, including Hyperion. But Hyperion wasn't published till 1820 in his third and best volume of poetry, as it is on Wikipedia. Lamia, Isabella, The Eve of St. Agnes, and other poems. That is the name of the volume. So I tried to read Hyperion. It's such a long ass poem, guys. Vanai. And I promise 80% of the poem I didn't understand. Yeah. Like I really tried to read the whole thing. And I did read the whole thing because you know it was for research and I had to. But it didn't I don't know. I wasn't understanding. But I know it's not enough. Let's say most people, I tell them that that's old, old poetry, yeah? I don't exactly vibe with it because I don't be understanding. But anyway, when I did read the poem, I did see glorification of nature because the poem has some supernatural elements which he seemed to strongly believe in. Because when I was reading about him, I saw that he said this quote, the poetry of Iyaf is never dead. So I believe that maybe he's one of those romantics who truly glorified nature. Yeah, 
that's the best i can say because i honestly did i, I don't want to lie to you guys <laughs> honestly i want to talk about things that i know and that i'm sure of so i don't want to lie to you guys and tell you that this is exactly what the poem is and i don't want to fake an interpretation because i honestly didn't understand it and i can't read it for you guys because it's really really long but you can look for it on this website poets.org read it for yourself and honestly you guys if you have an interpretation about this please feel free to get to me and share because i honestly didn't understand hyperion but anyway um john keats was prominent he's also greatly renowned for the six great odds i read some and the odd that i really really liked i really liked the odd to the nightingale i found it really really cool and really really nice like the way he described the bad like that imagery gives is so 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 beautiful again you can find it on poets.org <laughs> so we're going to go to lord byron now lord byron was the one that i really enjoyed reading about because i found his life so fascinating not fascinating per se but like i was so amused man <laughs> I was so amused. So this guy, Lord Byron, his full name was George Gordon Byron. He was born on January 22nd, 1788 in England. And he died on April 19th, 1824 in Greece. Moments of silence for Lord Byron. So, um, Lord Byron was a British romantic poet and a satirist those guys who write satire satire is like work that's supposed to be funny in a way of mocking a specific situation for example um politics mocking leaders mocking circumstances in a funny funny way i don't know if you guys understand but yeah that's basically that's the best way i can explain to you guys satire so this guy his poetry and his personality captured the imagination of europe a lot of his work made fun of the europeans and the way they did their things at that time the way they dressed the way they conducted themselves even the works of classicism basically that's what he did now what made him famous was his autobiographical poem child harrod's pilgrimage and his many many love affairs guy was a player <laughs> and i read somewhere that he was a bisexual so man he was juggling all the balls <laughs> he gave he has jokes he has jokes i'm such a funny i'm such a funny person he gave anyway so his many love affairs led Baron the player. It greatly influenced his writing. He wrote love poems, he wrote a lot of love poems and a lot of his work was describing his relationships with the different women and men that he interacted with. For example, the Gayor of 1813 and the Bride of Abidas of 1813. I really hope you guys are writing this thing down. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you write these things down so that you can look for them. I'm really sorry about me, guys. I would have actually written for you, but man, if I start reading these things, these pieces are really, really long. So I ask that you pardon me. Because this Lord Baron guy was writing a lot about his own life and his own love affairs, I would say that his work was 
more patently autobiographic than a lot of these romantics because romanticism thrives off expression of emotion a lot of these guys are writing about their own experiences which is very important personally i vibe with that because i also most times write about my own experiences but then again not all the time eh? not all the time because i know someone is now like aha now this poem of phoebe it must have been having personal experience i'm no but yeah a good amount of my work most of these guys were so familiar now we are going to my most favorite i don't know if that's a thing a most favorite but you can have many favorites in the life then it's like the most favorite but yeah we're going to emily dickinson yeah the only american in this list so she was born on 10th december of 1830 in massachusetts and she died on may 15th 1886 Also in Massachusetts, Emily didn't move around often. She was a lone wolf, might I say? <laughs> okay, <laughs> you guys, I ask you to pardon my bad jokes, but sometimes they are funny. But sometimes they are—I don't know. Just pardon me, guys. Man, Phoebe has a little banter. Just leave her. <laughs> I'm just trying to make this fun. <laughs> I really don't want it to like be like it's some history lesson. So yeah, I'm just trying to keep it up, yeah. So Emily Dickinson, this woman, she's considered one of the leading 19th century American poets, and she is known for her bold original verse, which stands out for its epigrammatic compression, epigrammatic, brief but comprehensive. Have you ever read those poems that are like so brief? They are brief, but they say a lot. Like there are very few words. It can be like four lines, five lines, six lines, but you read it and you're like, wow. I think another writer who is like that is Grace Nichols. Grace Nichols' things, like her work, is so short. Things like skin teeth or epilogue. Her poems are so short, but they hold a lot of matter. She was known for her epigrammatic compression, her haunting person, her haunting personal voice, and the enigmatic brilliance. Enigmatic brilliance, difficult to understand, mysterious. Like her, like her poems were brief, but they held a lot. But then they were also difficult to understand. So like there was that suspense and that mysterious thing about her. And that's why I read as I read a little of her work and I really really loved it because you know that work that will makes you think. Eh? Like there is that work that real doesn't make sense to you. All time poetry doesn't make sense to me, but like there's that work that you need to think. But you know with time, when you think about it, things start to make sense that's why i like her but then that other work where you like oh, you did the first time you did the second time you did the third time you did the fourth time you're not understanding you go on google look for the interpretation you read the interpretation that they're giving you you're not understanding you can't relate to the poem you're not understanding anything like no shade but bro <laughs> Oh my gosh. And I have this friend, I have this friend of mine, and I'm not going to mention his name, but like he's so into that old time poetry and he's always trying to get me to like it. But I just 
don't understand anything. I'm more of like contemporary work, modern time writing. You know that work that's that's not so hard to comprehend, yeah. And I know there are so many people who are like me. But yeah, I really love Emily Dickinson. She's my favorite romantic poet. And my best, my favorite, my best piece of hers is I measure every group I meet. And because it's my favorite, I am going to read it for you guys so that you guys can also take it in. Because man, I can't <laughs> talk to you about all these poets and I don't at least read for you one piece, yeah? So I'm going to read for you Emily Dickinson. I measure every grief I meet by Emily Dickinson. I measure every grief I meet with narrow probing eyes. I wonder if it weighs like mine or has an easier size. I wonder if they bore it long or did it just begin? I could not tell the date of mine. It feels so old a pain. <laughs> I wonder if it had to live and if they have to try and whether could they choose between it would not be to die i know that some <laughs> gone patient long at length renew their smile an imitation of a light that has so little oil i wonder if when years have piled some thousands on the harm that harmed them early such a lapse <laughs> could give them any balm or would they go on aching still through centuries of nerve enlightened to a larger pain in contrast with the love? The grieved are many, I am told. There is a various cause. Death is but one and comes but once and only nails the eyes. There is grief of want and grief of cold. as what they call despair. There is banishment from native eyes in sight of native air. And though I may not guess the kind correctly, yet to me a piercing comfort it affords in passing Calvary, to note the fashions of the cross and how they're mostly worn, still fascinated to presume that some are like my own. Yeah. Are you snapping? I guess nothing. Okay, so that was I measure every grief I mean. Why I really like this poem is because I relate to it so much more than I should. Especially times like this. COVID where everyone has their own struggle. So sometimes you wonder whether you have it worse than other people or whether you have it better than other people. Because everyone's grieving about something right now. Everyone has their own shit they're handling, right? And I don't know if there are other people like me who tend to measure other people's grief and compare it to my own. I don't know. I don't even know why I do it. I don't know. Do I find it comforting? Does it make me feel better knowing that I'm not the only one suffering? That I could have it worse? Or does it make me feel worse because I know I could have it better? Bro. Insert entire life and decisions flashing before my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but think about it like for real do you guys get it are you feeling what i'm feeling right now because i don't know every single time i read that poem i've read it like five times now during my research and it just made me ask so many questions i'm inspired guys i might write a poem because of this just stay tuned
See, I've been inspired, you guys. Oh! <laughs> I laugh a lot. Anyway, let's move on to the effects on this one. So, these guys valued a little originality, which I believe is so prominent now poetic styles have become so diverse there's poetry with music poetry with a rap sound there is poetry in theater poetic dance like the way in which people are expressing themselves and their poetry has become so different and people are so original forming their own styles and i think that's really really cool and i believe that it's an effect of romanticism because these guys highly favored originality then the free expression of emotions because of that people are able to write about anything and everything because the romantics said the artist <laughs> because the romantics said your feeling should be what guides you your feeling should be your law so because of that people are able to write about anything and everything that is telling them about their internal struggles and conflicts about their world about their families, circumstances in which they're living in. And I think that's really, really cool, the fact that we can freely express ourselves. Yeah? And romanticism, it also encouraged individuals to experiment boldly and question things instead of just blindly accepting them because they promoted imagination over reason. And because of that, Romanticism has told us to think about things on a deeper level. It has helped the writers and other people have extra eyes, look about things beyond the surface because there is more than what meets the eye. And even though, like, you're not a writer, in everyday life, I really believe that romanticism teaches you to not just accept things for. <laughs> yeah, guys, I actually said for. <laughs> like, not just accept accept things like that like think about things scrutinize them before you accept anything think about it like think about it deeply not look like that bad overthinking eh? but like real screening and scrutinizing situations before you enter them that's a really good lesson and through this promotion you know we learn to step out of our comfort zones and pursue our wildest dreams these guys were there in a time where classicism ruled where you had to do things in a specific way you had to eat a specific way dress a specific way stuff like that but they didn't give in they didn't fall victim or fall a slave or a servant to the way things were done then they stepped out they pursued their dreams they did things their own way and i think that's something that we can really learn from them and the fact that it encourages individualism you know you're your own person you have your own likes your your likes your dislikes your dreams and you know you're encouraged to be yourself and not to be like other people i think that's something that's really 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 amazing that's really really amazing and i hope that you guys are learning these lessons those are the small things that i have learned from romanticism i hope you guys have learned them too and you've taken note for them note of them okay um that's all we had for you today thank you so much for listening to inkless this has been Atari part one i really hope you enjoyed this episode remember if you have any comments on what i shared today you can leave a message using the anchor message service the link in the episode info you can send me an email or follow me on instagram and leave a dm but please follow first <laughs> the link of the instagram page is in the episode info yeah i absolutely love hearing from you guys and you know that so please 
Okay, thank you so much, guys. Action uses things and actually gets me. I really, really love discussing this stuff with you. And please, please don't forget if you haven't already, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a review, and share this episode with your entire social circle and clan. Guys, I'm talking mother, father, sister, brother, cousin, boyfriend, girlfriend, side dish, whatever, uncle, aunt, please. <laughs> yeah, oh. Um, <laughs> anyway, till next time, guys. Uh, I wish you peace and love. Bye! Well, you are crazy.